Hey everybody, it's Dr. Sam. We have a fantastic show today. So the questions are going to be about new protocols for reducing floaters. What are the benefits of drinking celery juice? What do you do if your eyes are crossing when you work at the computer? And what happens if you need more light to read? So stay tuned. Hey folks, it's Dr. Sam and I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. And we have a great show today. Just a few brief announcements. Um, I'm going to be in San Luis Obispo on August 27th. That's a Tuesday night. And I'm going to be giving a class on vision and neuroplasticity. So there's a great place that I love uh, on my way when I drive up the California coast called New Earth Superfoods. And the owner, Rishi, is uh, going to be hosting me. And you got to check out New Earth Superfoods. I mean, it's an amazing place. What Rishi has done is he is putting probiotics in all his foods. He's got great supplements, and he's just in the cutting edge about the importance of the microbiome. Anyway, uh, I'm going to be in that area, and so if you want to come to the class, it's going to be really, really interesting. I would recommend it. And then I'm going to be doing my online course. Uh, this has uh, been <laughs> anticipated for a couple years, uh, and this is a four-week master class that's going to be starting October 29th. You can do it from the comforts of your home. Uh, so if you want to sign up, you can uh, either go on my Facebook page and there'll be a, an opportunity for you to, to click on, uh, or you can just send me an email at appointments at drsamburn.com and we'll get you signed up. It's going to be a, an amazing course because uh, you're going to get videos before the start of the course, then you get me live uh, for one hour weekly. There's going to be a private chat room. Uh, you'll be getting daily uh, postings from me, and uh, there'll be a weekly newsletter, lots of resources. So if you want to dig deep, go deeper in your own uh, vision, health, wellness, uh, it's going to be uh, really informative. Last but not least, uh, next January, January 24th to the 30th, I'm going to re be returning to Hawaii, where I'm going to be leading a wellness retreat, uh, spotlighting mostly meditation and continuum movement. Uh, my, my good friend Jan Salerno is going to be uh, helping me. She's going to be uh, teaching us a certain creative art process that she does. She's a visionary artist, and she's also in charge of our dolphin swim whale interactions because we'll be doing three dolphin swims. And in January, there are a lot of humpback whales uh, on, the, on the west coast of uh, Hawaii, the big island of Hawaii. So you don't want to miss that. And the, and the group's going to be small. So if you want to sign up, uh, again, you can go on my Facebook page or uh, send me an email, and, and we'll be happy to help you register. Okay, well, let's dive into the first question. Uh, this is from Leslie. And Leslie has been taking a, a drug called lisinopril, and she's noticing that her floaters are getting worse and that <clears throat> she wants to know if there's a connection between uh, this particular drug 
and, uh, and floaters. Well, first off, uh, the side effects, uh, well, let's talk about, first of all, what is lisinopril, what's it used for? Um, it, it's a pretty common drug that's used for um, reducing blood pressure. So uh, hypertension is the main reason why we, uh, you know, we take lisinopril. Uh, obviously, whenever there's high blood pressure going on in the body, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, the eyes have one of the highest uh, concentrations of blood vessels in the body. So any vascular interference systemically uh, eventually is going to affect our eye health. And that uh, as we get older, when those micro capillaries, I call them the, the tiny blood vessels, those are the, those are the blood vessels that actually help us with uh, oxygenating the tissue, and uh, the better they oxygenate and hydrate, uh, the easier it is for uh, the metabolic waste to be removed. And so eye disease tends to occur when we can't take out the trash. You know, we can't get rid of the, the free radicals, so oxidative stress builds up. This creates an inflammatory situation. Uh, the collagen health usually goes downhill. And if we talk specifically about lisinopril, uh, some of the side effects uh, include dizziness, uh, headaches, uh, lightheadedness. Uh, I've even seen things like fainting and uh, uh, also an another issue is skin irritation or rashes. So um, there's a lot of nasty side effects with this drug. It's, you know, Band-Aid approach, t uh, treating symptoms. And, you know, just on an energetic level in, in, in bioenergetic medicine, whenever we take a pharmaceutical drug, we're buying into the synthetic uh, composition of the drug, who makes it, uh, the belief systems and attitudes about those promoting pharmaceutical drugs. And it's a low-frequency state. It's a low-vibrational state if we compare it to say, taking plants like uh, essential oils or flower essences or homeopathy. Uh, because those are naturally made, we're in harmony with nature in that way. The energy field that we're, we're then in is a much higher frequency. And, you know, one of my teachers, Dr. Parcells, a naturopath, chiropractor, lived 104. I met her, uh, I met her at 104. She died at 106. I studied with her for about a year and a half, and she worked a lot with energy medicine. She said to me that a lot of disease occurs because we have a low vibrational state inside of ourselves. And so our thoughts, our feelings, our history, our conditioning, uh, our toxicities, all of these things lower our frequency. So when we take pharmaceutical drugs, it kind of locks us into that lower frequency, and you get indoctrinated into that state of consciousness. And I know for some people, they're going, what, what are you talking about in terms of the energetic? But that's a big deal. And so, you know, if you do have hypertension or you're heading in that direction of high blood pressure, uh, the question is, what can you do holistically and naturally to begin to reduce your blood pressure? I mean, even things like uh, improving lymphatic health, uh, learning meditation, getting more exercise, changing your diet, um, you know, these are all things that I would consider to get off that medication as fast as you can. Now, can lisinopril uh, cause floaters? 
<clears throat> I have seen cases where certain pharmaceutical drugs, uh, and I would put blood, blood pressure medication in that category, that could um, affect our liver. And in traditional Chinese medicine, since the liver rules the eyes, that uh, definitely it could create more congestion in all of the eye tissue, especially the vitreous. So there's probably a connection there going on to have a, have the lisinopril directly cause floaters. I'm not sure about that. Um, I haven't seen enough cases where I can definitively, definitively say that. But uh, aside from you know addressing the hypertension in a more natural way, uh, the thing we have to understand about the vitreous is that it's a gel sac that sits in front of the retina, and that as we age, it can shrink, it can get smaller. If we're nearsighted, uh, it also this can lead to the vitreous gel sac uh, shrinking as well. And one of the issues that occurs is when the vitreous uh, shrinks, uh, it, it hardens the collagen. It's made of mostly collagen and protein. So as it shrinks, it can pull away from the retina. This can uh, be a condition called posterior vitreal detachment. And this can certainly cause a breaking up of the proteins, which uh, are part of the collagen that make up the vitreous. And this can lead to floaters. I think any oxidative stress, uh, uh, inflammation in the eye, uh, poor circulation, uh, trauma, uh, as I said, pharmaceutical drugs, there are many reasons why we develop vitreous problems. Uh, and so some things to consider would be, uh, how would you improve collagen health? You could do that obviously through one of my favorite sulfur ingredients, MSM. Uh, hyaluronic acid is another support. Uh, certainly, if you can get hyaluronic acid eye drops and MSM eye drops, uh, drops, those would be great, but you can also take those things systemically. Uh, obviously, things like vitamin C and those great nutrients that I talk about, glutathione, lutein, zeaxanthin, astaxanthin, vitamin A, and getting all those through your foods, maybe adding a, a good probiotics. This is where you might bring in a functional medicine doctor and actually seeing how much toxicity you have. You know, I've talked about in the past, there's a correlation between dental amalgams and vitreous health and, uh, uh, you know, root canals, things like that. So looking for a biological dentist. Um, my eye exercises, I actually have a eye clarity program for floaters. I would definitely uh, start doing that. That will improve your eye circulation, eye lymph. And then uh, last but not least, craniosacral and or uh, acupuncture would help. So that's, uh, that's, my, uh, that's my take on it. I, uh, I know that if you do some of these things, it's going to be really, really awesome. And, uh, you know, so keep in touch. And thank you so much for the question. Next question is, uh, this is a great question, it's from Bill, and he says, can drinking celery juice improve your vision? Well, celery juice is hot, hot, hot right now. I see it all over Instagram and Facebook, and a lot of um, uh, natural health practitioners are really promoting celery juice. Uh, in some ways, it's kind of a fad, but in other ways, there's no question that celery uh, is an amazing anti-inflammatory agent. Um, you know, in some of the research, celery may help fight things like cancer and liver disease. Well, liver and eyes, we know, go together. 
uh, as I said, reduces inflammation, especially brain-related diseases. There's been a little research on that. Uh, celery can boost cardiovascular health. Uh, so if you've got any vascular disease, uh, I would definitely add celery to uh, the mix. It contains things like vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin K, great for circulation, uh, folate, calcium, potassium, sodium, magnesium, phosphorus. So it's got those electrolytes uh, that, uh, you know, are great for your trace minerals for me or the spark plugs that uh, really get our cells moving. It's why I like to do hair analysis, tissue mineral analysis uh, as one of my biochemistry tests because the trace mineral levels tell me a lot about how a person is, um, uh, you know, transforming the energy, the foods into nutrients. Um, I also think that celery contains flavonoids and other phytochemicals. These are the, the powerhouses that make our, our cells work well, the mitochondria, you know, really happy producing the ATP. In fact, uh, some research says that phytochemicals in celery may help reduce blood pressure. So our last uh, question, I would definitely add celery to the mix. Uh, fighting oxidative stress. Uh, so I think that overall, uh, we know that celery is going to be helpful. Uh, one study I saw was that uh, it actually protects against some of the chemotherapy effects. So if you're studying or if you're uh, dealing with cancer and you're, you're receiving chemotherapy. Uh, there was actually an animal study that was done in 2009 that said that celery juice had protective effects um, when, uh, when, when going up against uh, chemotherapy drugs uh, used to treat cancer. And so uh, I do think that um, celery juice can be helpful. My one concern about you know, celery juice is that when you don't eat um, the fiber that comes from celery, uh, what could happen is that, you know, in any kinds of these juices, it could spike your blood, pre uh, your blood sugar levels. And so you need to watch that. You need to be careful. Uh, and this is why I recommend putting celery in my salad. I, I, uh, I use it quite a bit. Uh, in the wintertime, if I'm doing something like a kitchery, an Ayurvedic dish, I might put a little cooked uh, celery or lightly steam my celery. Uh, so I'm using it in a variety of different ways. But there's no question that celery is um, a great alkalinizing food and that uh, it's one that I would include um, in my overall you know, food protocol in not only improving my vision, which I think it could help, but also uh, overall health. So I hope that's helpful. Thank you so much for the question. Uh, this next question is from a listener. His name is D Dustin, and I'm just going to read this. Uh, Hello, Dr. Byrne. I've been enjoying your Q&A podcast, and I would, I would like to get some advice on my eye situation. I'm 31 years old, had strabismus, crossed eyes as a child, uh, was treated with glasses and patch as opposed to surgery, so that's great. Uh, we know that surgery uh, can really create a permanent uh, confusion between the eyes and the brain. So I'm really glad, Dustin, you didn't, you didn't get that done. He continues, I think my, um, throughout my teens and 20s, everything was good. My right eye is now more farsighted than my left eye. My current prescription in the right eye is a plus two and a quarter. 
left eye plus 475. Uh, let's see. Let me rephrase that. Plus 475 in the right, plus two and a quarter in the left. Got that. In the last few years, my strabismus has relapsed, and my right eye has a tendency to turn inward. Uh, so that's the eye that has more prescription. Uh, I get double vision, blurriness, dizziness, common symptoms uh, when the eye turns in. I'm software engineer, so my gaze is fixed on screens all day, and I feel that this is a factor to my relapse. I am actually undergoing uh, vision therapy. I've, I'm in 24 weeks in the 32-week program. My progress has somewhat stalled, and I'm not quite sure where to go. I've been following some of your, oh, so I've been following the exercises for my vision therapist, but I feel like they're not enough, and uh, I'm getting damaged by working eight hours a day. Any, any advice? Greatly appreciated. Thank you, Dustin. Well, this let's unpack this a little bit. So in strabismus, and you know, we have different kinds of strabismus. Sometimes the eye turns out, turns up, turns down, or turns in. You can have both eyes turning in, one eye turning in. Uh, you can have an intermittent situation. Bottom line is strabismus is about a lack of integration, and it's not just in the eyes. We, we can't just isolate it, strabismus in the eyes. In fact, in the type of vision therapy that I do, I actually look at how we can help with the bilateral integration. And I'm also looking at how the front of the body, the back of the body, the upper body, the lower body, the right side of the body, and left side of the body, how they integrate as one system. Because if you work through the body and creating more integration in those uh, vectors, it actually triggers the brain, the whole brain to start working together. Because the brain is the, what's the traffic director that, that tells the eye muscles where to look. It's the brain that tells the eye muscles where to look. And when one of the eyes is, is fading in or fading out, um, in this case, the eye is crossing, there are two choices. Either you get double vision because the eyes are misaligned, or the brain says, I'm just going to shut off the right eye to avoid double. And of course, it can do all of those things based on the task, especially if you're working up close. Um, and so... The way to address this is to look at it from a developmental point of view, meaning, you know, where is this person, you know, and it, it could be a child or an adult, even an adult, we look at the arc of where are they in their, their motor integration, and it starts with um, the primitive survival reflexes, and the primitive reflexes are early movement patterns, they're controlled by the brain stem, and they should be integrated about age one, age one and a half. Uh, what happens is a lot of times those reflexes don't get integrated. So, uh, you know, our brain kind of overrides it, except uh, when we get under stress or we have trauma, then those reflexes come up because the purpose of those primitive reflexes is to protect us. So it's a, it gives us that fight, flight, freeze response. We go into hypervigilance. And in strabismus, when we turn the eye in, what we're saying is we're turning away from life. Our right eye is turning away, turning in, as a protective mechanism. I mean, this goes back to very early pre-verbal time. It could be in gestation, it could be at birth, it could be at the bonding. Pre-verbal, lots of times, when the strabismus imprint starts occurring. Now, in this case, you know, the midline, the middle of our body, is a very important orientation place for us. We need to, we need to move and think and orient from our middle. And so when our eye turns in, we've lost our, our midline. We don't know where we are in an orientation. Now, again, I'm talking at a very deep level. So doing external eye exercises or even a lot of the vision therapy, and I don't want to put the vision therapist down because at least he's doing vision therapy, 
they're not looking at it from, you know, where do we need to plug in? How early in this person's development do we need to plug in? And if he's not making changes, then we need to go back in the arc and explore primitive reflexes. So I would, I would start with primitive reflex integration, moral reflex, tonic labyrinth reflex, uh, spinal gallant reflex, these particular motor patterns, and we just go back and re-repattern them so the brain goes, ah, now we're integrated, I can release the brain stem, and then there's more of a chance for the two eyes to work together. Then we work with the vestibular, the inner ear as it relates to the eye through different balance exercises. We work with motoring skills, using visually guided and visually directed movements, going forwards and backwards. A lot of people with crossed eyes, they don't have a very good spine awareness or back awareness. So a lot of things we're doing, hopping, skipping, jump rope, I know this sounds kind of elementary, but by, by really uh, plugging into that integration and the front back of our bodies, upper body, lower body, front of the body, back of the body, right side, left side, we start to establish a pattern of bilateral integration. This is so important. So that's where I would go with that. I would probably do some color therapy because that will relax the eyes and open up the visual fields. Uh, when you turn an eye in, you're basically losing the peripheral vision on that right side. And then in terms of the prescription, this is very interesting. You know. Um, most eye doctors, what we do is we, we, we base our prescription on how well you read the eye chart. But that's not vision. That's your eyesight. That's not vision. Vision is how the eyes and the brain and the body work together. And when you correct one eye so differently than the other eye, it freezes or embeds the difference. So a lot of times what I do is I try to prescribe similar lenses or the same lenses in each eye. And in this case, I might actually, you know, do something like a two and a quarter in each eye because the right eye is 475, the left eye is two and a quarter. Both symmetrical lenses, at least to start wearing it maybe when you walk or indoors. And then maybe get a pair of plus 350s, a little more magnification for your computer work. Obviously, getting a blue blocker on there is really important. Getting better nutrients uh, in your body, also very helpful. But the prescription can be very helpful in supporting the vision therapy to work better. And I found this in, in my cranial work. When craniosacral therapy, you know, a person would come in and they'd have this super strong prescription, I would do craniosacral on them and I would be able to prescribe a much, much less powerful prescription and their system was more relaxed around it, it felt better. I mean, there was just so much more uh, possibility for improvement. And by the way, I would probably, in this case, Dustin, seek out a good cranial osteopath. I think there's, there's definitely some things in your early life around your motor development that need to be uh, addressed. And then you can move more into the advanced you know, eye therapy exercises. So I hope that that gives you some help. I mean, that's kind of a thumbnail sketch on what I would do, but at least it gives you some direction, some things you can talk about to your vision therapist about. All right, my friend, thank you very much for the question. All right, my last question today is from David, and he and I have been going back and forth a lot on social media, and he is uh, he's having trouble um, in his reading. He's, he's in his, uh, I think he's in his mid-40s. Anyway, He's complaining that he needs more light uh, to read, although he can still see the print easily. So this loss of light, is this the beginning of presbyopia? 
And will the far-sighted 90-day eye clarity program that I offer on my website deal with this dimming issue? Are there specific exercises to focus on? All right, David, here we are. Uh, in presbyopia, one of the things that happens is the lens of our eye uh, begins to lose its flexibility. Now, some people blame this on age, and I don't. I think that certainly, okay, we could say age is a, is a factor because a lot of people in their 40s, they start losing their ability to accommodate up close, focus up close. And if we boost the nutrients in our lens, especially vitamin C, glutathione, uh, our carotenoids, our antioxidants, you know, eating a plant-based rainbow diet, low in inflammatory uh, foods, lots of fats and oils, uh, we have a good chance of preventing the lens to start hardening. And this actually is the beginning of cataracts when we start developing presbyopia, you know, 20 years later, because the lens is hardened, uh, this is where opacities can occur. So increasing the nutrients in the lens, very important. I would add magnesium uh, to help the ciliary muscles uh, in terms of bending the lens uh, so that you can focus up close. And then in terms of the dimming, we have to look at the pupil. So the pupil is the, the gatekeeper that lets light into the eyes. And, you know, light is the currency for which we see. And if we uh, are getting less light into our eyes, one of the things to look at is the health of the pupil. And the health of the pupil is actually a, an indicator of the balance between our stress response. And I'm talking about the balance between our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic is our act, active state, adrenals working, active. Parasympathetic, parasympathetic, uh, parasympathetic state is our relaxation. And when we get into a um, relaxation state, what can happen is our pupils start to dilate. However, if we are uh, in a state of constant stress, there can be an inconsistency in our pupil response. I see this all the time with people. And the pupil does not constrict and dilate as it should. And so what happens is, is that we're not getting the proper pupil responsiveness, which is really a reflection of our autonomic nervous system. So we can tie it into our adrenals. So one question I would have is, what is your stress meter? Where are you at in your stress level? And, uh, um, you know, reducing your stress, supporting your adrenals. I'd even look at thyroid health. You know, the endocrine system really has a big influence on our eye health. And specifically, if we're not getting enough light into our eyes, it's a signal that since light is a food and we need light in order to be able to see, there could be a problem in our autonomic nervous system. I mean, it's a metaphor for our ability that we're not metabolizing our food very well, in this case, light. So maybe doing color therapy, light therapy uh, is a way, balancing the autonomic nervous system, getting some cranial sacral therapy or acupuncture to see if you could boost the endocrine health and better balance the autonomic nervous system because the dimming light, there's some connection there to our uh, autonomic nervous system health. Certainly the eye exercises, especially for farsightedness, 
can be very beneficial. You know, when you start wearing a magnification lens, what that does is that tells your eye muscles to go to sleep. You definitely lose your responsiveness of the eye muscles. And in losing the responsiveness, what happens is you start getting addicted to these magnification lenses, and then you start down this slippery slope of, um, of uh, needing more and more magnification, moving into bifocals, moving into progressive lenses, all that stuff that's just going to, you know, put your eyes in a very negative uh, response, you know, spiral response. Uh, so I think really disciplining yourself to do the exercises is really, really important. I mean, you can't expect this condition to change if you do some intermittent exercises and, you know, it takes a, a whole approach, and I would say really to see changes, it's going to take about three months. Last but not least, my favorite exercise for presbyopia is the minus lens to blur. This is on my website. It's a phenomenal exercise where you get a pair of minus lenses, because we usually wear uh, plus lenses or magnification lenses. You get a minus lens, and you wear it while you're doing the eye dialogue. Now, that's going to create a whole other level of blur for you. But what's going to happen is minus lenses tighten up the muscles. That's why in myopia, what we're using is farsighted prescriptions to loosen up the eye muscles. So the farsighted, uh, the weight around the farsightedness is wearing the minus lens to blur, doing that three times over a, you know, a minute each, and resting in between, uh, and noticing how much clearer it is with each eye when you take the minus lens off. And if you do that exercise, you start to regain some of your focusing flexibility. So there's a lot here, David, for you do, to do, but I would, I would do the 90-day challenge to really get into a deep level of retraining and reprogramming how the eyes and brain uh, do their focus. So I hope that that's helpful. Uh, certainly... Do the exercises, and you will definitely see change. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, your attention today. Um, keep sending me your questions. I love hearing from you, and um, we'll see you on Facebook Live every Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and uh, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. 
This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Burns' information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.